0: Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. All right, good morning. Let's set that right there for a moment. It is so good to see everybody here for uh, worship for Father's Day. All you dads... Happy Father's Day. Is there, is, there, is there any dads here? Yeah? All right, so happy Father's Day. I want to let you on a little secret. All right, dads, tune in here for a minute. So my kids have been asking me all week, like, what do you want to do for Father's Day? We talked about going, like, maybe going tubing or something. We talked about going out on the boat. And I was thinking, you know, what would really bless me? So here's a little secret for you. Here's what I told them. I said, you know what would bless me today? You know what would just really bless me? if I got the boat out of the water and you helped me wash the boat. <laughs> and they're like, really? I'm like, yes, that would be the biggest blessing to me. And they're like, okay, so dads, if there's any projects you need done, today's the day you get them done, right? That's, it, who would agree that's a big blessing to you? Like, get it done, get the work done. So anyway, so that's what our big plans are today. We're going to wash the boat. <laughs> so... Anyway, good to see everybody here. If you're new today, I'm Pastor Randall and I get the honor of uh, preaching today and leading the church and I want to welcome all of you online watching. I know we have a lot of people traveling and out of town for the uh, holiday, but also for uh, just enjoying your summer. So if you're out for the summer, you're traveling, I had several people this morning already say I watched last week's sermon and so we're very blessed to be able to um, do that, to show the messages online, so stay tuned in with what we're doing and we have a great team back there. Deanna, Deanna, you can't see her. She's hidden back there, but she runs it all back there, and Ben and others, and Jimmy does our online service. They just do a phenomenal job of making sure we have that available for us. So we're, just let them know how much you appreciate them. So. <clears throat> so it is Father's Day, and I would just want to congratulate all your dads and being great dads. If you're a terrible dad, we'll pray for you, right? But, um, you great dads, your kids know it, and they tell you, and if you have a great dad in your life or one who's passed on, you're, you know how blessed you are to have a great dad in your life. And um, make sure you tell them, make sure you see them, do whatever you can. Um, went to a funeral this past week for one of our family members, Dana's uncle, Dave's brother, who passed away this past weekend. The pastor did a great job. You know, it, was a, it was a small country church up in the mountains, and you know, any y'all ever been to a funeral at a place like that? You get a little worried about what's gonna happen and what's you know, how long it's gonna last and how much screaming there's gonna be, but it wasn't like that. It was uh, he did a great job and it was a graveside service and, and he did a great job and and he talked about the gospel. He talked about how Jesus and came to you know, came from heaven to earth and lived among us and he and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross for our sins and was buried and three days later he got up out of that grave. And then he got up out of that grave and came back to life and he was seen for 40 days and he ascended into heaven, right? And then he ascended to heaven and he made sure to tell everybody and he's coming back again. Do you know how crazy that story sounds to people who aren't Christians? I mean, if you're a Christian, you may be like, it doesn't sound crazy because you're a Christian. You get it. You understand. But if you're not, you don't, you just like, that is the most ridiculous thing and you believe that? And that's what people think, and, and, and they may tell you, and if you're on social media where everybody's a, you know, a keyboard warrior, and they'll say what they want to say behind those keys, they'll tell you what they think about your faith, right? But it's a, but it is, it sounds crazy, this whole story of God becoming a man, living, dying, coming, you know, he's coming back again, everybody beware, you know, it all sounds crazy. And as I watched and around, there were a lot of people like, said, amen, as he preached, and then, you know, some women, amen, you know, they were doing their thing too, and, And I listened, but then you just see some people like staring off like, this is crazy. And the scripture talks about how to those who don't believe, it's foolishness. But to those who do believe, it is the wisdom of God. And if you don't believe today, you know, I I want you to listen today. Maybe you're here because dad came to church and he wanted you to come. Maybe you're sitting at home right now, you're watching live and you're because dad wanted you to watch church with them. I want to challenge you to come with just open eyes today to see who Jesus is, to come and see, as we're talking about, to come and see who he is, and look at the signs, look at the evidence of who he is, and, and, and ask yourself, all right, if this is true, then I should probably believe it. So I want you to come today with those open eyes, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, we're in a culture today that challenged you constantly constantly about do you believe that crazy stuff do you believe that and they challenge you and you may be wondering do I believe it and there's so much crazy stuff out there And we want to get to the gospel of it and understand it but it, I want to challenge you to ask God the Lord give me eyes to see the signs and believe even more than I do now reassure me and, and just give me deep deep faith today so we're going to look at some signs and I hope as we look at these signs, they will, you will be able to see who Jesus really is. I pray your faith is deepened. Your, ans- your questions are answered. And I pray that um, you'll see today where faith meets life. Where faith meets life, right where you are and what you're facing today. So would you pray with me, and let's ask God to help us to see what we need to see. Lord, we pray that today we, you would do the work. The scripture tells us, No one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. So Holy Spirit, open our eyes, draw us to you. Open our hearts and draw us to you, our minds and and our, our ears to hear what we need to hear so that we are drawn to you in faith. Would you do the work, Lord? I can't convince anyone, I can't change anyone, but you can. Would you help us to see you today? Give us the faith to believe even more than we do today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 2. We're going to be in John 2. You can follow, you can scan the little QR codes on the back of the seat, and it'll take you there too, to the scriptures and the sermon notes and all that, so you can follow along. I may not hit everything in the sermon notes, uh, so if you go there, you can see them all there, all right? So you want to go there. So last week we started this series called Come and See. We're talking about Jesus. We're, talk, we're going through the book of John, uh, and we're going to kind of take about 43 to 48 weeks. It depends on what all we hit. And I've kind of planned it out. I hope to end around Easter of next year. Now, if we did every story and every verse in John, it would be 80 weeks. So we're going to kind of hit the highest points. So we started with the first part of John last week where, we, where John gives us a summary of the reason Jesus came. He came, he was, son of God, he was Son of God, he was God, he created, came to the earth, walked among us, was rejected, and then uh, for whoever believes in him, they become a child of God. And he spoke truth and, and grace, and we saw that last week. Now if you pick up the rest of John chapter 1, this is when Jesus began his ministry going around and he started with John the Baptist and John confirmed who he was, that he was Son of God. And then you have him going and choosing some disciples. He's like, hey, come follow me. And these guys follow him. And then you hear have one disciple saying this to the other one, come and see who this man is. Come and see. And so that's all in John chapter 1. Now, after he's got a handful of his disciples together, and they're all in this this area called Galilee, um, and they're in this area, there's a wedding that's happening in that community. And weddings were a big deal, like they are today, but even bigger, like a whole community came. You saved for your entire life to provide for a wedding for your family member. And so everybody came, everybody's invited, you go to the wedding, it lasts like about, about a week. Uh, it's a big celebration. And so Jesus and his disciples are invited to the celebration, and this is where we're going to pick up. So in John chapter 2, in verse 1, here's what it says. On the third day, he's talking about 30, three days from after where they, he just picked his disciples, it says a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus was, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So everybody's coming. So I want you to understand, these disciples, they all probably knew this person, these people getting married. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And look what he, how he answered, woman, why do you involve me? <laughs> Does that sound a little disrespectful, doesn't it? But in that time, that was not a disrespectful, it was a thing of, it was a thing of respect. Like, mother, father, whatever it is, mother, why do you involve me in this? And he's like, like, he's like a dude, right? He's like, what's my my problem, right? And here's what it says. So Jesus replied, my hour has not come. He's pushing back. And I love this story. We don't get any clue, spiritual meaning of this. Jesus was not ready, but he obeyed his mom, (laughs) right? Hey, you want to live long and well, right? What does the scripture say? Honor your parents. (laughs) Jesus modeled that even in this story so he says, My hour is not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. I love it. She just pushes for it. Like, she's a strong headed mama, right? Just do whatever he says. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used, and this is important, for, Jew, for the Jews for ceremonial washing. We're going to come back to this. Each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, All right, so fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some of it out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, those disciples and those others knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside. He calls him over and says, listen, now this is funny. He says, everyone brings out the choice or the best wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have gotten drunk, basically, is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you brought out some good wine. Why didn't you bring this out first so people remember it? (laughs) This is good stuff. And look what happens. He says, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So we're going to stop right there. So let's talk about it. So just having paid for a wedding a couple months ago, I have a new perspective on this, this thing here, right? As a dad, you want everything to be great for your girl. You want all the, everybody to be great. You want the food to be, you want to, be, to have enough food. I can't imagine the stress and the, of my daughter and Justin and, and, and my wife if we had run out of food, Run out of drinks. I cannot imagine what they would have been. They just need to be focused on that. So here's Jesus' mother. She has empathy for this family. They've run out of wine. And she's like, Jesus, do something. <laughs> Fix it. How did she know he could do something? He hadn't done anything yet, right? No miracles. It's just a mother's intuition. She knew when to push him. And Jesus is like, well, what am I going to do? And he's like, you know, so, okay. So he tells his disciples, those big jars over there, the ones we use for the ceremonies, uh, the rituals, he said, "Fill them up with water." Now, um, if you, in Jewish history and Jewish religion, they had these big stone, ser- big stone jars that they would use for ceremonies. For cleansing. And the Mosaic Laws, if you had touched a dead body, you had touched something dead, um, or if you had sinned or you've done something, you had to be washed, right? You had to be washed. So, they used these jars, these big, huge jars, for the ceremony, the religious ceremony of cleansing themselves before God. So, there, So, there's a There's something cool happening here. And I had never seen this. One of the things I love about preaching through the scriptures, it forces me to even dig deeper over the scriptures I read a thousand times. And so I dug into this. And and here's what I began to see the beauty and the symbolism of this. So they understood those ceremony jars as something that cleansed them. And you know what Jesus does? Listen, it's a beautiful picture. And we can see it now. But they couldn't see it then. The beautiful picture of what Jesus came to do. They had to be washed by following all these rituals, following all these laws, do all these things, right? And what does Jesus come and do? His very first miracle, he says, I'm gonna change all of that. He changes the water into wine, which represents what throughout the New Testament? His blood. When we take the communion, we say, and he says this, later he says, and this is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. So no longer, he's like, no one knows it. He knows it. I believe this is that he's saying, I'm about to change the whole thing. I'm setting up my ministry, setting up, and it's all about this. The old ways are gone, and there's a new way of coming, and if you want to be right before God, it's not by water, but it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he does this, and they have no idea. The disciples have no idea, right? No one knows until after, and we're reading, and we're studying and but the disciples just know why does he want us to fill this water? Why do these servants want us to why is he wanting us to put this water in here? So he puts this, they put the water in there, they fill it up, takes it to the master of the ceremonies, and they say, Here, have some wine. And they're blown away because it isn't just the average wine, it's the best. It's the five hundred dollar bottle of wine. It's the best stuff. And it's not just a little. It's a bunch of it. And what happened after the disciples saw this? Look back with me at verse 11. And Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee, what he did here was the first of the, what's the word he uses? Signs. Now, what word would you expect? First of his miracles, right? But John is very intentional. As you read through here, he doesn't talk about miracles. He calls them signs. And, he's, and the word in Greek means signs. And he says these are the first of the signs. Now, what does a sign do? Look at this. Signs point beyond themselves to something else. He's saying this is a sign that points to something. Now, many of us in here, we grew up in the days before GPS, and we actually had to use Signs. Right? You actually had to, like, get a map out follow, and follow your drumming down the road. Oh, where is it? You know, you're freaking out looking for it. Now you're just lazy, like, turn right in 100 feet, right? You can just do that. But now, I mean, back then, I mean, we used to have to have use signs, but signs are important. They point you to where you want to go. Now, here at our church, if it weren't for signs and GPS, you'd have no idea we were even back here in the middle of the woods. Back in all this 40 acres behind, you can't see us from the road. So one of the first things I did when we got here to the church, I said, we need signs to point people to where we are. So up on the main road on 53, there's that big orange sign. We, we bought that corner lot just to put a sign on it that little house right there. We own that little house so we can put a sign on it. You see the sign? You come down here, you see another orange sign, you drive down, you think you're going to a colt in the middle of the woods, and you come back up here, Right? And you drive up and you see more signs and they point you to the building and more signs. You finally end up where you're supposed to be because you followed the signs. Signs point you to something else. And John is saying this, the disciples saw the signs that pointed them to Jesus. And not just Jesus, but to who he was. And here's what the signs point to. Look at this in your notes. The signs point to the divine nature of Jesus and his identity as the Son of God. They saw the signs and where they pointed and they believed in him. And this morning, here's what I hope. You'll see the signs that they saw and believe in him. And see the signs and see how it relates to your life today. So let's take a moment and look at these three signs. Would you look at them with me? The first one is this. What did the disciples see that caused them to believe? The disciples saw the extravagant abundance of Jesus. Now, what do you, th- you may be thinking, what does that mean now? He didn't just provide what they needed. He provided what they needed and more. How many of you would say today that God has given you more than you deserve or need? Anybody? All around the room. How many of you got a spouse better than you deserve? You better raise your hand right now. (laughs) You kept it down. There's going to be trouble later, right? you got a spouse better. You've got a, a, a work better. You've got a job better than you deserve. You have health better than you deserve. You have a community better than you deserve. You know why? Because God is the God of extravagant abundance, abundance, and he doesn't always just give us what he needs. He gives us more a lot of times. And in this story, they needed wine. Now, he could have just made, you know, a serving of wine for every person. But you know what he did? Those six jars, big jars, 30 pounds each, six of them. Now, and each of them hold, not 30 pounds, 30 gallons each. That's the difference. So here is five gallons, 40 pounds, eight pounds, eight pounds per gallon. This is heavy, right? Now, he could have just said, you know, that's a, imagine that being full of wine. That's a lot of wine. That's a keg of wine, right? I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> and, and he could have just made a few of those, but you know what he did? He didn't just make, if he were to put them in these jars, it'd be 36 of them. You know how many pounds? 1,500 pounds of wine. That's a lot of wine. And he didn't just do a little, he blessed, and here, he didn't do the cheap stuff. Just having paid for a wedding, I'm asking, what's the cheapest we could do it? <laughs> How cheap can this be? You know, what's the littlest we can do and it still be good, right? Jesus is like, no, let's give them the good stuff. And he made the best stuff. Extravagant abundance. The disciples saw this and they're like, this guy's awesome. He he does more than anybody expected. He he's no chiefscape. <laughs> He blesses people and he does, I want to follow this guy. And listen, I want you to understand today, you may think God is a God of scarcity. He's a God that doesn't see. He doesn't meet needs. I want you to understand he sees you. He knows what's going on and he meets more than you would ever expect in your life. He's a God of extravagant abundance. But there's something else I want us to see today. That I love that he, the story of the wine, the water becoming wine. The wine resep- representing the blood of Jesus. I think we can look at that personally in our own life and see this, that there is more than enough blood to cover your sins. It is extravagant. And you may think, oh, I've done too much. I've gone too far. I, I've the same sin over and over again. God, how could God forgive me? You know why? He can forgive you because he's a God of extravagant abundance. And his grace and forgiveness knows no winds he pours that out on us. they see this guy, and listen, they don 't really know him that well yet. They've just for a few days have been following him, and they are convinced man he there 's something here now, where does this meet your life today? I want you to see this. I want you to See the extravagant abundance of Jesus. Put your hope in Him. But also, I want you to do this, the next thing. Trust God to provide abundantly and unexpectedly in your time of needs. There was a need. Jesus met it unexpectedly and abundantly. Right now, you may be stressing about the future, about your income, about your life, about of career, about choices to be made, and I know in my own life, personally, I've been thinking how this relates to me just now in my own life, and how often I think, and I think, and in my thinking, I act like he is a God of scarcity, but he is not a God of scarcity. He's a God of extravagant abundance, and he will provide in my life, he provide in your life if your trust is in him. Romans 8.32 says this, look at this, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, listen, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Trust him in the season you're in. Trust and and be obedient to him. Second thing they saw is this. They saw the transformative power of Jesus. Transform it, change things. So he took something ordinary and he made it extraordinary. He took elemental, natural elements and he changed them into something different. Who can do that? Not any man. Jesus can, God can. See, he told us last week in John, he says he was there from the beginning. He says, from the beginning, he, he was the creator, right? He created it all. And if you're the creator, you can create whatever you want to out of whatever you need to, right? He can change anything just with a voice and just with his thoughts. He can change it. So he changed these natural elements of this water into something beautiful. He transforms things. And this morning, here's what, so here's what these disciples did. They said, if he can do that, then he must be the son of God. And today you may think, well, that really happened. He's just a really good magician. <laughs> he, he tricked them somehow. How did he do that? He tricked them. He, you know, listen, here's what I know. People will not die for a magician. And these disciples gave their life. And John, who wrote this, spent his whole life until up until his late 90s in his last few years in a prison believing Jesus was the Son of God. You know why? Because he saw the transformative power of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to see it and believe it. But also I want to encourage you to to do this. I want to encourage you to to believe in the transformative power of God in your own life. Last week we we prayed for Jamie. We had him come forward and And in the prayer, I prayed this. Lord, you are still the God with authority over every cell of every human body. And because of that, would you heal Jamie? And we prayed that. You know why, church, you can pray for miracles and for healing? Because Jesus still is the power that transforms the, the ordinary into the extraordinary. Believe that? You may be thinking, I don't know how to pray for miracles. You pray and you can ask because he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's created it all, and you can trust him for that. You can pray for those miraculous things. You can pray for him to transform the cell in a human body. You can pray for him to transform your situation. You can pray for him to pray to change your heart. you know why? He's not just the God of the visible, but the God of the invisible as well. And all of it's under his authority. And you can pray for a friend to be saved. You can pray for a a heart to be changed because he's the God of transformative power. The disciples saw it. They believed it. What do you need to believe for in your own life right now? Listen, you may be thinking, this thing can't change. There's no way it could happen. It's too big. My marriage can't be saved. My child's too far gone. He is the God of transformative power. Do you believe it? Third thing they saw. The disciples saw the unique wisdom of Jesus. Unique, it means this, one of a kind, nothing like it. Those disciples in that moment, can you imagine this, what Jesus is telling them? Hey, take some water, fill up those jars. They're probably thinking, what? They don't know him that well yet, right? He's still, still there, like a few days and they're probably thinking, does Jesus know what he's doing? (laughs) This isn't gonna help the situation. But they followed him, they obeyed him, they did the thing they were supposed to do and they witnessed a miracle. They witnessed the fruit of what they were supposed to do. And when they went away, they said, imagine the conversation among them. Did you see what happened? Did you you see that? All we did is obey him, and he did something miraculous. They probably thought they were just filling jars, church. Listen, and maybe in your life you just think, I'm just doing the mundane things. But I tell you what, when you do the mundane things because Jesus tells you to, miraculous things happen. When you just be obedient to do what he tells you to, when you trust his wisdom, you see the results and the fruit of God. And I want to encourage you this morning to see the wisdom of Jesus, put your faith in him, but also I want to encourage you to, this, to rely on the wisdom of God in your own life. You may be just thinking, I'm, God doesn't see me. I don't tr-, and you're wondering, probably like the disciples did, does God have any clue what he's doing? but he does because he's God and he sees it and you may not understand why God is telling you and putting you through what you're going through right now but you can trust the unique wisdom of God and when you trust him and you see it through to the end and you see God show up you know what happens? your faith grows deeper you see fruit and, and there will nothing that will shake your faith. What is God saying to you this morning, church? We ask for eyes to see, to see the signs. What, what do you see in the signs? Do you see he is the son of God? And have you put your faith in him? Have you like trusted that, hey, he's no ordinary person. He is the son of God. I can see the signs and I need to believe. Is, have you done that? If not, Man, today is a day to believe. Just like those disciples did, like like many of us have done. Put your faith in Him. But maybe as a believer already, you understand He is the Son of God, but you've forgotten today. And listen, you have forgotten, and God wanted to remind you today. He wants you to remind you of, of His extravagant abundance, that He can provide what you need when you need it. He wanted you to remember today the transformative power that you have forgotten about. And he wants you to remember and rely on the wisdom of God. When you can't understand his plan, rely on his wisdom. That's what he wants you to see and hear today. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this story that John, led by your spirit, Penned down, wrote down. So here we are 2,000 years later and it still meets us right where we are today in life because everybody in this room, everybody here maybe has doubted whether you're real or not. Doubted the truth of it. Would you give us faith to believe and trust in you today more? Listen, if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus or you're watching online, you don't believe, but you're something in your heart right now prompting you saying, You need to step out and trust what you see. Trust the signs. Trust the evidence. If that's you, you know what that is? That's the Spirit of God drawing you to Himself. Will you respond to Him by saying, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow Him just like those disciples did. And I want to devote my life to Him. Start right now. Just say that out to Him wherever you're at. Commit your life to Him. But as a believer in Jesus today, what do you need to hear? What was it? You need to be be reminded of his transformative power in your life and in your situation, that he can, what you have given up hope on, that he can change it, he can bless you, that you can trust his plan. What's he saying to you? I'm going to be quiet just for a moment. I want you to ask God this. Lord, would you speak to me? Help me to see what I need to see. What do you want to speak into me right now? What do you want me to do? Father, we hear your voice. We hear you prompting in our hearts. All week long, this message has been resonating in my own heart of you telling me to deepen my faith, be content in you, content in your plans, content in your provisions, and content in your power, Lord, And just trusting in you. And I thank you for that. Thank you that you're speaking now and you're reminding us of who you are that you're just no ordinary man. You are the son of God. Help us to trust you. Let us live that way. And at night, when we lay our heads down, when worry wants to creep in, when doubt wants to creep in, fear, anxiety, and stress about the future wants to creep in, we pray right now, would you remind us that all the signs point us to your power and your wisdom and your abundance in our life. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.